All right, guys. Hey there, it's Luke here, and we are back for another episode. Let's talk life. You know, I was actually thinking about changing the uh, title of this podcast channel to Almost Enlightened. <laughs> it's kind of an inside joke, but this idea that, uh, you know, some days we're closer than others to that peak performance or that true potential. And sometimes I feel like, man, I, I've got to be pretty close. I'm like almost enlightened. And then other days it's like, don't facepalm. Oh, no, I suck again. I got to learn it all over again and again and again. And this is, I think, part of the human condition. And so I'm sure there are some people that uh, can feel me on that one. Like, yeah, hey, you know, most of the time I got my my act together, my shit together. (laughs) Some days I'm just suck. I'm sucking, man. I'm really struggling to put one foot in front of the other, let alone make any progress down the path of the potential or do do myself any sort of real favor. So... One of the ways that this manifests in my life a lot is in this cycle of self-induced suffering. And it's really linked to poisonous pleasures. And when I, I, that occurred to me the other night as I was cracking a few beers, I, I went to a family event. It was a funeral for my, my wife's dad's mother. And so excuse me as I indulge in a little wine here and digest my Panda Express for dinner. The truth of the matter is in these kind of environments where we're, we're either celebrating or we're, we're finding this coming together and grieving, mourning loss, whether we're looking for comfort or we're looking for celebration, what we usually do is we turn to food and beverage to find the warm and fuzzies, right? And so how this plays out a lot of times is, you know, hey, let's get some beers and, you know, celebrate life or let's get some beers and hang out. And doesn't it feel good, man? You knock back a couple of beers. I like myself a nice kind of malty, you know, Alaskan amber on the light end. You know, I really like the scotch ales. I'm not a big fan of IPAs. They're just a little too hoppy for me. So I prefer a malty. You know, I think that Guinness is a little bit too dark, though I do like some porters. You know, there's this is my personal preference when I'm going for a beer. And so a lot of people, you know, like beer, just like me. And I think that we find great pleasure in this beverage. And yet underneath it is this reality, right? Like if I have a beer or two, no big deal, right? I'm, I'm good to go. I could probably still drive home. Wouldn't want to tell my kid that, you know, uh, I am not getting, you know, sloppy drunk. I'm not falling over the top of myself, slurring my speech. Uh, but I'm still getting a little bit dehydrated if I'm honest, and I'm probably still packing on a little bit of love handles, a little bit of beer belly with just a couple of beers. And if I was to be really scientific about my brutally honest observation, I would have to accept this reality that I'm actually poisoning myself just a little bit when I have a couple of beers, or I'm poisoning myself just a little bit when I'm having this glass of wine here. Watch this. Mm. I like a nice Merlot. See, I prefer Merlot and Cabernet, Cabernet Sauvignon over a Pinot. You know, I like a Pinot Gris. I like some different wines, but I'm not a big fan of Chardonnays. I like the darker reds. 
over the whites. But again, I digress. You know, I must confess this is actually truly a poison. So if I have two or three glasses of wine, they say a couple glasses of wine, it's good for your heart health. It's got lots of antioxidants in it. And, you know, there's there's got to be some uh, correlation to wellness when we can just relax a little bit and let go a little bit. And so if having a couple of beers or a couple of glasses of wine helps me let go and relax a little bit, isn't that good? Doesn't that bring balance to my well-being? So I'm getting uh, this benefit, this pleasurable benefit at the cost of some little bit of poison in my system. And if we get a lot of poison, then we get sick, right? I mean, all the way up to alcohol poisoning. I don't know if you've ever had alcohol poisoning. I don't know if I've ever technically had alcohol poisoning, but I've definitely drank way too much on enough occasions to know what it feels like to overindulge into where that poison is actually poisoning my body. My body's doing everything it can to get rid of it. And I'm left worshiping the porcelain throne. Uh, and that, that happens, right? In, in stupid, foolish moments. I'd like to think that, oh, you know, we grow out of that someday or maybe I won't be such a bonehead, you know, later in life. But the truth of the matter is we're always susceptible to it and or not maybe not everybody, but I'll speak for myself and many others. I think we're susceptible to this pattern of poisonous pleasure. What happens, I think, is I get disarmed by the idea that I deserve this. This is a reward for a long, hard day, or this is some sort of, you know, way to celebrate, way to commemorate, a way to connect. And, and I think and for a lot, of, uh, a lot of circles, social circles, you know, that, that social drinking, that social connection based around alcohol is is huge and so if we take that away and no longer are we you know connecting with our beer drinking buddies or are we hanging out and you know having a few drinks with our friends all of a sudden we we kind of get a little bit disconnected or like we're just on a different path and so there's there's that social pressure that says hey i want to connect with these people my friends my family because that's how we've always connected we're going to continue to connect that way but somewhere in me, I know that I'm not really doing myself any favors. I'm actually poisoning myself for this little bit of pleasure. So what do we do about that? You know, what about other things like alcohol is a big one. That's an easy one, but isn't overeating or eating too much sugar, too much sweets. I really want to have that second piece of uh, pie or a second piece of cake. I really want to have that scoop of ice cream a la mode. You know what I mean? I might even go back for some extra ice cream because I didn't get to try that flavor. So I could inundate my system with sugar. Is sugar not a poison when it's taken at such a high level? And doesn't it leave me feeling like I got a sugar hangover? My blood sugar spikes and goes way up and then it comes down and I feel all grumpy. Like, what the hell? You know, what did I just do to myself? I just poisoned myself with pleasure. Right. How do we do this over and over and over again in so many areas of life? You know, I think about like smoking cigarettes, for example. When I was in young, you know, there were people smoking cigarettes around. I, I actually got caught one time. I've been sneaking cigarettes out of my mom's boyfriend's uh, cigarette pack. And 
Well, as it came to pass, I got busted and the whole punishment was for me to sit there and smoke a whole pack of cigarettes, smoke after smoke after smoke. And the threat was I was going to have to smoke this whole uh, whole carton of cigarettes. And I got about a pack and a half and was turning green, ready to puke. And my mom, you know, made me throw the rest of it into the wood stove. And that was that I had learned my lesson. Like, I'm never going to smoke another cigarette because I feel like such just terrible shit right now. Ah, Way too much nicotine, way too much poison in my system. And yet, through a series of foolish decisions, I found myself back, you know, back into this habit of smoking uh, off and on throughout my life, throughout my military days. I mean, that was what we guys did, you know, stand around, smoke them if you got them, right? And in any con- uh, any corner of society, big city, small town, world, go around the globe and travel, anywhere you see people smoking, there's a, there's a certain connection with that. And so, you know, smoker friendly or this place where you feel like, you know what, you're not going to get judged. You can go in and say, Hey, I got a smoke or somebody might come up and bum a smoke from you, but you might find yourself in conversation. You find yourself connecting. And I think that the level in those, you know, circles is, Hey, you know, let's just be real here. We're just human beings. We're just, we're not pretending to be health nuts or have our shit all figured out. We're just trying to cope with one day at a time and do what we can to, enjoy these little pleasures of life. You know, having a toke, smoking a cigarette feels good. And so I like the nicotine. I like the way it makes me feel. I like the smoking element of it. I like the smell of it. All those things are, these are, these are reasons why people do it. And these are reasons why I've done it in the past. Uh, And we'll indulge and choose to have a smoke when I'm hanging out with friends and family who do that. And there's no judgment. I don't care. I do feel it. And I feel that hit of nicotine, like, whoa, and it can make you feel wheezy and like, holy shit, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. But after a couple puffs, you know, I'm back on, I'm back on par and feeling pretty good until the next day. So hanging out at a funeral, we're all knocking back a few drinks. We're all, you know, having a sharing a few smokes and guess what? I enjoyed the hell out of it. I enjoyed the hell out of having a smoke, having a few drinks and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Now, except that when I woke up this morning, I was feeling like, oh man, I have all that crap, all that poison is in my body and I feel like shit. <laughs> I don't want to feel like that. And something occurred to me. I thought, you know, I don't want to feel that way. I've made this decision enough times in my life where I know it's going to come with the consequences of feeling a little bit crummy the next day. And I've always weighed that out and felt like that's okay. You know, I don't mind feeling a little bit crummy the next day. It's worth it. It's a a worthy sacrifice, if you will. But what I found was that uh, I have had moments of clarity and discipline where I went and I fasted for a really long time, or I went vegan for a month or two, you know, where I was just really, really strict on what I put into my body. My body's a temple. I want to feed myself. I was on a spiritual high and I didn't need any other substance, any other poison to find pleasure in life, pleasure in the moment. And in doing that, I was able to refine or continually refine myself to where I was just felt like, man, I am, I am vibing at a high vibe right now. I feel really, really good, super tuned up. And as I've enjoyed that experience uh, time and again in my life, uh, several times, you know, that's become a more frequent pattern where I go back to that and I go back to that again and again. And the more often I do go back to that feeling really good state, the less taste I have for feeling that really crummy, shitty state. So the more pristine clarity, the more uh, 
physiological energy I have, the more vital I feel, the less I am inclined or persuaded into indulging. It doesn't have the same appeal anymore. Now all of a sudden, poisonous pleasure is just poison. <laughs> the pleasure part of it is there maybe in the social interaction, the engagement. But at the end of the day, I want to feel good and I want to be good and do good, be the best me I can be so I can be the best husband and father that I can be and all that. And it starts to, you know, back it out into a different context. Now I'm weighing the weight of friendly social engagement with friends and family. There's meaningful bonding relationship. I mean, if you haven't been uh, <laughs> snozzling and drunk, you know, with your buddies, you maybe you've missed out on a certain bonding type of experience. Now, I'm not trying to say anybody should go out there and do that just to do it. I'm saying that there's something very real about that connection and that it is bonding. There are there's bonds that are hard to hard to break. You know, there's a closeness that comes. I think there's a certain vulnerability and grace and acceptance that comes when everybody just lets down. Everybody just lets down. Nobody's trying to pretend or keep things together anymore. It's just very uh, a moment, very fluid, very lubricated and uh, moving as it may. And in that comes some really great and enriching experiences. For example, I was uh, enjoying the company of my good cousin and his dear wife. I mean, just some incredible people. And this is like my Viking brother, you know, from the clan of Cochran's. And we get together, man, we would drink some whiskey, smoke some weed and go out and just sword fight and just beat the shit out of each other and have a blast training like that, you know, just going full speed. One time we were up and we were going to go way out in the woods, right? The man works, he's a, he's a man of the woods, works out in the forest. And so we're going to go out in the forest. There's a group of guys and we're all going to go out there and sword fight have a big old bonfire and get a little ripped and, and just cut loose and have some fun. Well, the guy that was supposed to show up and have the, uh, the swords and the armor, he just, he, <laughs> I don't know, he got lost in the woods. I mean, maybe he got a little started a little early in the day, but as it, as it came to pass, we're all standing around like, Hey, where the hell is this guy at? Nobody knows. Nobody's going to show up. What are we going to do? You know? Somebody said, well, I got a bunch of bamboo sticks in the back of my truck. We could use them like staffs. Oh, really? Let's look, take a look at that, you know, and sure enough, you know, he's got a big bundle of staffs and they're, you know, they're about, you know, big bamboo, like an inch and a half, two inches in diameter, good six, eight feet long, kind of uh, everybody pretty soon. Everybody's got one and we're all kind of standing bound by the fire, playing with our sticks a little bit. And you start to notice, well, now eh, where'd so-and-so go? And people kind of slipping off into the shadows of the night. And pretty soon, you know, the last guy is standing around the fire looking around like, where the hell did everybody go? And about that time, I mean, battle cry. And somebody leaps out of the shadows and starts whack, 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 man. The battle had begun. It was a fucking epic, <laughs> fucking epic battle. Uh, we were just beating the hell out of each other, having fun with these bamboo staffs and you know we're lurking around surprise attacking and sneaking up on each other and i'd come into this clearing and, <laughs> and my my buddy's there and he's taking off his leathers man his back is all exposed and he's vulnerable and i see him and i'm thinking i got you buddy and i can't yeah 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 yeah, yeah. whack and i laid into him man and we we got into it and 
tangle and I got him down. I felt like, yeah, I got this. You know, I won this battle is what I was feeling like. Of course, uh, what I failed to to calculate was the fact that this man was not about to give up. Right. He's not dead. So he's not done. And so I started to step back after I got him down and he came at me with that bamboo staff swinging like a baseball bat from my head, man. Bam. I got my staff up just tonight for that to kind of break it just a little bit. But man, he cold cocked me crack right across the head. Down I went, man. <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you one thing. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, but I was really happy to have a little bit of uh, poisonous pleasure left back at the camp. You know, go take a few nips off the whiskey and I was feeling okay till the next morning where I had a pretty wicked headache and a nice shiner to boot. But I wouldn't trade that type of experience for anything in the world. Right. It's not uh, it's not couth. It's not reserved. It's not prim. It's not proper. It's just fucking wild. And you're out there doing it. And I think there's something visceral and real about that. That is like the existential human experience. When's the last time you were so completely immersed in the moment? You weren't thinking about a damn thing other than what's happening right now. And even in that, you weren't thinking you're just doing. And I think that there's so much to be said for that. So much to be said for that, not being caught up in the head, but instead of thinking, 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 it's just doing and really just doing is just being. Can I really just be me in the moment unabashedly, uh, uninhibitedly? I don't have to be concerning myself about social norms or what people might be thinking about me. And I think if we were to examine the poisonous pleasures of life, a lot of it is is really aiming to circumvent all of the social apprehension, to get around all of the judgment. If we can connect with people at a level that is, um, I don't know, you call it rebellious or whatever, but this, this level of, hey man, I'm going to do my thing and I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to go have a smoke. You want to come join me? Uh, I'm going to have a few drinks. You want to come join me? I think that people are always going to be drawn to that. Now, that's the uh, that's the like that's probably like the the nicest way anybody could ever paint it, right? Like, hey, it's not all bad. I mean, look at all the good times we have. Hey, you know, and it actually works. It probably you know it probably does do some good. And look at all the positives here. Now, to contrast and and to really compare and to just to be fair with ourselves, to be honest with ourselves, is the reality that you know. Maybe there's a time and a place to be to be young and dumb. Sometimes I'll joke about my younger and dumber years. I definitely don't do keg stands anymore. I definitely don't drink to the point of belligerence or blacking out and that kind of stuff anymore. I've had to learn those lessons. I don't drink and drive anymore. You know why? Because I got drunk drinking tequila. I was driving home at about 80 miles an hour. I got thrown out. I landed face first on the concrete, man. Totally messed me up. Shattered my cheeks, knocked out all my teeth, broke my jaw in seven places, shot in my shoulder blade, compressed my lower spine. I was eating through my nose and breathing through my neck, man. That's what happened. That's the consequences. So there was no amount of pleasure that would, or, 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 or no amount of good times that could ever make that okay. That was just straight up stupid stupidity, foolishness, being a damn fool, being arrogant, thinking I could do this, you know, being belligerent, being disconnected from reality. And I suffered and I suffered significantly because of that. And not just once, but repeatedly. And so with that self-induced suffering comes just maybe slower for me than for some people, but slowly it began to sink in, you know, these things that I'm doing for pleasure are causing me a lot of pain. 
And slowly it began to sink in, you know, maybe I need to have, I need to reshape the patterns here. Maybe rather than making that my go-to uh, source of pleasure or source of, of, of ease to, you know, shake it off a little bit, to let down and relax a little bit. What if rather than doing these things, the poisonous pleasures, instead I, I turn my attention to something different like worthy rewards what if i could give myself something that produced a sense of satisfaction like hey i did something i earned something and in in what i earned was this worthy reward i get to you know enjoy watching a movie or maybe i do get to enjoy a glass of wine or i get to enjoy some small thing but i'm i become acutely aware of the impact of my chosen reward and is the impact of the reward is it a poisonous pleasure is it causing me pain or is it truly wholesome does it make me feel good you know turning on some music and dancing is one of my most favorite things i love to dance and so cranking it up Turn it on, having a blast, you know, that's a fun, worthy reward for me. Um, just having some me time. You know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to take my pen and my paper, my journal. I'm going to go out and I'm going to sit in the sunshine. I'm going to breathe fresh air, feel the grass, watch the birds and the bees. And I'm going to write poetry because that's what feels good to me. That's a worthy reward. Maybe a worthy reward might be, you know what, I think I'm going to, I'm going to take uh, Friday afternoon off and I'm going to go down to the spa and I'm going to get a massage. I'm going to get a, a facial. I'm going to get my, you know, my feet rubbed or I'm going to get my nails done or whatever the case may be. Start thinking about things that you can do that would feel good and are not going to have the detrimental impact. And anyway, I just think that that's something that's worthy of being evaluated. When we're looking at the patterns and the poisonous pleasures of life, then I think that you know we should also consider more worthy rewards so that we can begin to work uh, work a little wisdom into our patterns in life so we don't have to keep repeating our folly. It does remind me, I, uh, I've got a, a few friends who have had a real struggle with alcohol. And maybe alcohol runs uh, through your veins right now. Maybe alcohol or alcoholism runs in your family so you know what I'm talking about. But I definitely have friends who have had such a a battle, such a fit with alcohol that they've had to stop completely because it became an addiction. It became this thing that had control over them. They craved that poison in their veins. They craved that relief from uh, emotion. You know, they don't have to feel whatever pain or whatever anger is going on inside. They can just drink and, and get belligerent and then stop and start all over again. And that became an escape from reality for them. And in doing so, when we, we escape from or are detached from reality, we lose control. And I've seen friends suffer, um, suffer a lot, lose everything valuable in life, ultimately to come to the realization that they have to sober up. They are an alcoholic and it's not possible. And it was interesting uh, seeing this process in somebody's life where they go from something that meant or was such a big part of their life to it's now something that I can't even, I don't touch it. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be around it. Some people don't want to be around it at all. Some people just, you know, they have the, a different take on it, but you know, some people will still come hang out, but just choose to say, Hey, I'm not going to have any drinks. Some people say, Hey, you know what? I can't even be in that situation because it's just too, uh, too tempting. You know, I just want it too bad. Right. And so these, we start to self govern a little bit. 
or people in this circumstance. Usually it requires a great deal of pain to kind of pierce and break through that illusion that I'm in control of all this stuff when you realize you're not in control anymore and that this pain is being caused by, you know, your choices. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you have to, you know, reevaluate and self-regulate. Sometimes people have to go into detox and all that kind of stuff. Now, I've never had to go to detox. I've never had to uh, go to jail. <laughs> Knock on wood, not because I didn't do a lot of stupid things, but just because of the good fortune in my life and the grace in my life, which gives me such gratitude. You know, I've gotten lucky. I lived through a couple of really bad car wrecks that were alcohol induced uh, and, a, and a number of other foolish things. But here I am now. And I'm talking and I'm sharing. And Sharon is Karen, right? And if I had a message to anybody who feels like they're out of control with alcohol or with anything, I would say this. Be honest with yourself and with somebody who knows you. You need to be able to talk about it. You need to be able to be open about it and say, hey, I just, I can't see any other way around it. Every day, all I can think about is, wow, when can I get my next drink? Because when I do that, then I can start to relax and then I can start to let down. And, and really, I think when we talk about relaxing and let down, what we're really getting at is I, I, I need, I'm looking for peace and peace of mind. Really what I'm looking for is inner peace. And that's the soul satisfaction. That's the spiritual element. So if somebody out there is struggling in this department, I think that ultimately it's, you know, people talk about emotional imbalances and chemical imbalances, and this is all true. I mean, our body physiologically becomes addicted to whatever substance we put in. So whatever poisonous pleasure we, we, of our preference, you know, we ultimately become, uh, first we become normalized to it where it just kind of becomes part of our physiology. Then we become addicted to it where it's, it's something that's actually missing and we begin to subconsciously crave it because it's necessary. But in all of the cases, I think that there is a spiritual deficiency. There's a need there to connect with love, right? With the sense of I'm connected with God or with something bigger than myself and I'm loved by God, divine grace, divine love. This can be found through other people at times or it can be found through fellowship, through you know, churches and mosques and synagogues and sweat lodges or men's retreats or women's retreats. Sometimes it can be found just through a friendly smile, through honest and open eyes, through somebody being willing to sit and listen to your story about why you're at where you're at. And so if, if you or anybody know is struggling in that department, I say, you know, be honest, go share with somebody so that you can let it out and begin to the healing process, you know, begin to realize that poisonous pleasure is, is really just going to lead you to pain. It's a path toward pain. And so we can indulge a little bit here and there and enjoy ourselves a little bit here and there and, and think as long as we're being balanced about it, then we're probably okay. We're probably norm, but these are, are little flags still, even in the, in the realm of normal, it doesn't mean anything's wrong. You could be a perfectly normal, high functioning human being that loves to go out and, and drink alcohol, smoke cigarettes, you know, smoke weed, whatever, you know, these kind of things. That's okay. Nothing wrong there. I'm not, <laughs> I'm the last person on the planet that's going to judge anybody for their decisions. What I'm 
talking about is balance, right? So when it, when our pleasure becomes out of balance or imbalanced and becomes more poisonous than pleasurable, or we start to feel the pain associated with it, why? Why are we pursuing this pattern repeatedly in our life? Is it just habit? Is it actually addiction? Or is it is it we're running away from, we're averse to some sort of inner pain or inner reality? And if that's the case, if that's the case, there's an invitation being laid on the table in front of you. It's that invitation to look a little closer, to dig a little deeper, and to figure out what's really going on inside. What are you really trying not to acknowledge? Trying to avoid the pain of not knowing, the pain of not feeling loved or accepted, the pain of shame, these different things that we feel pain from. What's there? What's going on? And until we deal with that, sometimes we can never break these patterns. It's just a cycle. We like to rationalize and justify and we come up with all the reasons why. My favorite is that wine's good for you. That's why I'm drinking wine right now is because it's good for me. And I can have at least one glass of wine. But the truth is I'll probably have two because I think somewhere at some point in time I read that you can have up to two glasses of wine <laughs> and it's still good for your heart, right? Mm. Not really, you know. Really, it is because I had a great big dinner and I ate too much. I had like a plate and a half of Panda Express because I just had to finish my daughter's plate. And I don't feel good about that. And I don't feel good about the fact that I had like 10 pieces of pizza and drank about 15 beers on Sunday. <laughs> and I don't feel really good about the fact that I stayed up till, you know, one o'clock in the morning, just running hard and all that kind of stuff. My body was physically run down, right? I had... A lot of fun. I'm not saying that I didn't, but I was paying for it. And because I paid for it, and then I start to feel that pain, and then I start to think, damn, I knew better than I should have not had that last beer, or I shouldn't have had that last piece of pizza. And then I go into this cycle of, you know, self-loathing and what the hell am I doing? What was I thinking? And was it worth it? Yeah, it was worth it, but and all that kind of stuff. And ah hell, you know, what's one more day? You know, I can I can summon my discipline and muster my motivation again tomorrow. So today I'm gonna do good is what I started out and I was like, ah, hell with it, you know. I asked my family, what do you want for dinner? How about Panda Express? I said, hey, that sounds great, I'm buying, you know. And that was just easier, right? It's a matter of convenience. It's convenient to get good, delicious food, you know, fast. It's convenient, you know, it's expedient to have a glass of wine and relax a little bit. I can tell you right now, I know enough yoga, I could go do some breathing exercises, I could go hang out on my inversion, get upside down for a little bit and all of that would give me all of the boost and all the relaxation it would just require a little bit more effort right okay i'm telling you that i'm just being brutally honest here i know that that's true for myself and it's true for every other this is physiology but it's more expedient to go out and indulge in good food and all of a sudden i'm satisfied in my belly go out and pour a glass of wine because all of a sudden i'm just relaxed and i'm you know letting down a little bit and is this a healthy pattern or an unhealthy pattern? Hmm. Question is there, right? And I think that we could frame it a lot of different ways. And I think that every person has to frame it for themselves only in the context of balance in their own life. I'm not talking about moral supremacy. I'm not talking about some dogmatic approach to understanding what we should and shouldn't do. You know, what if we just said, okay, infinity is the law. So anything goes, and I'm not 
I'm just, let's throw that out there for a second. Infinity is the law. Anything goes. But let's get back to the nuts and bolts of, you know, is this a helpful or a harmful decision? And how does this, how is this helping me realize happiness in my heart? How is it helping me to enhance my chances of achieving success? And what I realize when I begin to ask those questions is that it doesn't. It actually doesn't help, you know. So tonight, I could have chose not to eat dinner and not to have any alcohol. If I just fasted, I would have gone through a little bit of a, you know, biochemical imbalance as my body was coming up all the sugar from alcohol and carbohydrates for the last couple of days, celebrating with a family. And I would have adjusted and ultimately came to a place where I felt pretty good. Uh, actually, I would come to a place where I felt really freaking awesome because I would enter a ketogenic state and I would have all this clarity and and then I would think, yes, and I would be super motivated and I'd have energy and I wouldn't need any of this other crap. I don't even need to eat. All I need is water and the infantryman's creed. You know, all it takes is the, you know, the dew of a single ginkgo leaf and the energy of the universe, right? This is Kung Fu Panda stuff. <laughs> anyway, point is, being here and being now, you know, I can evaluate these things and think to myself, you know what, that's okay. Uh, I actually am a pretty balanced individual. I don't want to incorporate these indulgences into an everyday routine because when I do, I get fat and lazy and slow. It, it slows me down in every way. And I want to be able to serve. So how can I serve you at a higher level? How can I provide more clarity, more insight? In order to do that, I have to choose a path of discipline. At times I choose an austere path to really get real tight, you know, in my clarity and in my understanding, my knowing, in my knower that this is what I need to be doing. I try to do that at least a couple of times a year. Seek wisdom and solitude, backpack out into the woods and all that jazz. In the interim time, I'm just a human being. <laughs> and part of the human condition is, you know, this growing process and this learning process. And I want to grow and I want to learn. And there's going to be times like a dog returns to his vomit. So a fool returns to his folly. There's going to be times where I slip into old patterns or old habits and it doesn't serve me anymore. And all of a sudden, these poisonous pleasures really lead to pain. And as I begin to associate poisonous pleasure with pain, I begin to really develop a distaste for it. And so maybe someday, family and friends, anybody out there listening to this, anybody who I've ever just uh, knocked back a few drinks and had a really good time with, there may come a day where I'm like, eh, I don't think I'm going to join tonight. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to do a headstand for two hours while you guys are getting ripped. You know, I'm joking. Uh, I probably won't actually do that. I'll probably say, fuck yeah, let's, let's jump in and do it. But I want to know for myself. I'm on the path to potential. I want to know for myself that I can say no. I can choose to indulge or not to indulge. I can let it go. And ultimately, I can choose to do what's best for me so that I can be the best tool that I can be for humanity. Not as in that dude's a fucking tool, kind of a tool, but as in like a tool in the hands of God, right? Like how can I be a force for the greater good? That's what I'd like to know. And doing that by sharing my heart, by connecting, by being real, by being raw, by being relevant, I think this matters. Could we all stand to evaluate uh, our pleasures. How many of our pleasures are poisonous pleasures? You know, how many of our pleasures are truly worthy rewards? 
How about that pleasure from the feeling of going for a nice long walk or going for a jog or working out? That's fun. It feels good and it's good for you in every way, right? That's a worthy reward. What are your worthy rewards? How do you reward yourself? And how many of those rewards are simply poisonous pleasures? These would be questions that I would challenge you to evaluate, not because you need to beat yourself up or or judge yourself, but because we just have to be honest and look at it and say, I don't know, you know, when's the last time I sat down and, and really looked at my habits and whether they're harming or are helpful, you know, are these harmful or helpful habits? This is what we need to do. So we want to do that with the uh, poisonous pleasures. Now, there was one element on this that I didn't really get into, and this is the element of overeating. And is overeating a way of poisoning ourselves? I don't know. I don't know the. I don't know. You know. I don't know how the science would weigh in on that. But I do know this. I know that we can become very comfortable being stuffed, right? Where we overeat. We literally stuff ourselves to capacity because there's just one more bite of pizza or cake or Chinese food or whatever, man. I got to finish the burrito. It's so good. And it tastes so good in our mouth, the textures and the flavors and the cheesiness and the crunchiness and the chewiness and all these things that make it so damn irresistible. Like, oh man, I really want to have some of that. And so we enjoy the taste as it goes into our mouth. And at some point, our stomach starts to feel full and we're like, oh, I'm just going to have another bite. And then our stomachs go, on, whoa, dude, I'm getting stretched out a little bit. I think, oh, I'm just going to have another little bite and one more bite. And then I'm, man, I'm, I'm licking the plate, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, you know, I'm so uh, intoxicated by the taste of what I'm tasting, the experience of that indulgence that I'm, I'm inebriated. Right. I, I'm, I'm literally not clear in my behavior. I'm not even in control of my behavior. All I really want is to put something on my tongue that just lights up my brain. All those little neuroreceptors going, yes, this is the most delicious dish I've ever tasted in my entire life. That's awesome. Right. Understanding that all of this, you know, excitement in the brain and all the taste buds exploding and all of that, that is those are all physiological things, biochemical things. And so in that, I believe in that biochemical, physiological way, we can definitely become uh, poisoned by or become addicted to in some sense, yeah, but poisoned by too much of that, right? And then all of a sudden what happens? Well, then we don't want to eat something that's healthy like kale chips. Who, who the hell wants to eat kale chips after you just mowed down on a bag of Doritos? You know, like the, the flavor is not the same. And so we're kind of poisoning our palate, if you will, by overindulging, overeating. We're messing up our biology in so many ways. Just on a short note, you know, I don't know how many of you guys know, you know, that my my journey when I was uh, waiting for the VA to amputate my foot, I got up to about 225 pounds. I was miserable. And every pound, every uh, extra pound that I was carrying on my body I thought of it like a pound of extra pressure on my on my ankle. And so every step I took was hurting, you know, proportionately more pain based on my body weight. And that was a really strong incentive. So every pound was a pound of pain. I was like, wait a minute, every pound's a pound of pain. Hold on a second here. Let me get a handle on this. And so without any, you know, 
extreme measures just by changing the things that I would drink. I drink more tea, like a lot of kava tea instead of alcohol in the evening time. I started doing some breathing exercises that helped to accelerate my metabolism. And then just doing the deep breathing, gentle bending, doing yoga at a, at a time when I couldn't really do the warrior poses or the sun salutations and all this, I was able to lose, you know, ultimately I lost 75 pounds, a little over 75 pounds and then regained and kind of came back into a place of balance. But it was, uh, it was this realization that I have control over what I put into my body and whether it's overeating, eating too much sugar, like an imbalanced, improper diet, or it's indulging in, you know, alcohol or nicotine or cigarettes or whatever the case may be, you know, these are mostly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Mostly not a big deal. Like mostly we can do this and feel like we're not breaking any laws and we're not, we're not doing hard drugs. And so I'm not really doing anything wrong. You know, it's, it's pretty harmless. It's just a little habit, but put all together or maybe, you know, looked at on a, on the level of frequency. If I do it too frequently, then all of a sudden that little kind of like a little white lie, that little white lie, we tell ourselves that this isn't really that harmful. We're accumulating little harmful things a lot. If we find ourselves doing it a lot, then all of a sudden we're doing a lot of harm to our body. And when we're doing a lot of harm to our body, and this is key, you know, when we're doing a lot of harm to our body, we're doing a lot of harm to our mind and to our soul. So if we feel really crappy physically, we're not going to be very clear mentally. We're not going to feel very good emotionally. And if we don't feel good physically, mentally, emotionally, we, we're not clear on what we're doing in our life or where we're heading in life guess what? You're not going to feel very good spiritually either. You're not going to feel satisfied in your heart. You're not going to have that soul satisfaction. So understanding that we always have control about what we put in our body, you know, evaluating the pleasures, the way that we please, you know, uh, poisonous pleasures and all of that is it is, it's a simple thing to do. It's always easier said than done. In reality, you know, it's hard to change habit or to break habits. But if you if you could just pick one one thing and think, you know what, I know that I'm doing this on a regular basis and I'm going to I'm going to maybe just half my frequency instead of having a beer every night. I'm going to have a beer every other night. If instead of having a beer every other night, I'm going to have beer. I'm only going to drink alcohol one night a week. Maybe you get to where you can drink alcohol. Not at all. Evermore. There's a. In the Tools of Titans, uh, Titans Toolbox by Tim Ferriss, there's a guy in there who's talking about, you know, the one thing is all, he went out and interviewed all these people, asked them all the questions. If there's one thing that you could do or share, these are guys who are like super successful, healthy, wealthy, and wise in these categories, right? And one of the guys, one of the first ones I read was, I would, you know, just stop drinking alcohol right now. Don't ever drink alcohol ever again. I thought, what? Nah, for real? I'm going to try it. And so I did. I stopped drinking. I stopped drinking alcohol for a few months, not even a beer. And I thought, you know, at first I kind of missed it, like miss having a beer, miss having a glass of wine. But after a while, I didn't miss it anymore. And I gained strength and I started to feel empowered by this choice. Like I don't have, I don't have to partake. And when I did, I also lost some weight. Hey man, love handles are, are, you know, thinning out here a little bit. I'm feeling really good. I feel really good in the morning when I wake up and all that, there's a lot of benefits associated with not drinking. Can I choose to make this a lifetime habit? That would be something worth looking at. And I've 
wait it out, you know, and I tell you what, to this day, I still enjoy having a glass of wine or a beer from time to time. So I'm no saint guys. I'm not, <laughs> I want you to know, it's so important that you realize that I, you know, I'm just another guy out here, you know, making a, making my way the only way we know how, and that's just a little bit more than the law will allow. Just a good old boy. All right. And I uh, want to share my heart with you guys. I want to help encourage each person to evaluate themselves on this path of life, right? This is the self-regulation, this self-evaluation, self-reflection. Ultimately, it's a path of self-directed evolution that we can choose to use change. We can harness our habits. We can reshape our, our perspective and the way that we think, our mental patterns, our physical patterns. And we can do that by plugging into inspiration. We can do that by sharing the journey, sharing the story, uh, getting connected, getting inspired, and then going out there and getting after it. So uh, today's message again just take a take time evaluate your pleasures evaluate your rewards if there's something that you're doing on a really consistent basis that's kind of a poisonous pleasure you might want to look at that evaluate it market if it's something hey find somebody you can share with and say hey you know what i realized in my life there's this pattern where i continue to reward myself with a poisonous sort of pleasure and it's causing me a lot of pain <laughs> if you can get to that point and share it with somebody they're gonna say wow wow i might actually have the same pattern so let's uh, let's let's cheer each other on and say, hey, let's cut back, you know, halfway or let's not either one of us have a beer at all for all week. And then we'll go have a beer together on Friday. I'm just tossing this out there. I'm just like right off the top of my head. So I want to share that with you again. I was committed to doing the podcast 365 for a while here. I didn't come in over the weekend because I was out for the funeral. I'll see what I can do to squeeze a few more episodes in throughout the week this week. But definitely Monday to Friday, uh, looking forward to being real, being raw, being relevant, being right here with you, connecting, sharing. Uh, sharing from my heart, from my heart to yours. I hope that you're having a magical Monday. I hope that you're having a good moment right here, right now. May peace pervade your day and be with you. Take it easy, guys. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Hasta la vista. Peace.